Tawe. And uh, yeah, some interesting things coming out of the world of business. Uh, we heard uh, some remarks coming through from the Minister of uh, Employment and Labour, Tulas Nglesi, suggesting that his department uh, had also received uh, many complaints about employers attempting to shift the financial burden of the 21-day lo- uh, lockdown onto employees. Now, you might also uh, have experienced this where your annual uh, leave allotment uh, for this particular year uh, you've had to dip into uh, in order for you to uh, be able, I guess, to comply with the, the lockdown regulations. And uh, if so, I'd love to hear from you. Give us a ring, 89 Certainly a story that uh, uh, we certainly have to look at uh, in the coming days uh, might be in uh, that shop steward's corner because, uh, um, you know, it's certainly not of your own doing. I mean, it's, it's not like you've decided uh, to wake up and say, you know, uh, um, but, um, you know, it's a national effort. Um, there's no way around uh, these particular regulations and uh, necessary as they are. And I think uh, some of the employers that... Uh, Uh, undertaking this kind of thing uh, certainly should be uh, isolated by the department and uh, we'd love to hear from you and uh, also I guess uh, create that channel uh, between the department and yourselves. Now uh, the other thing that uh, has come out uh, of this lockdown is uh, the ban on the sale of alcohol and tobacco. Now the South African Drug Policy uh, initiative, uh, SADPI, has suggested that this, uh, you know, might be harmful to people who suffer from substance abuse disorders. And uh, it certainly is, is an interesting one because uh, I, I recall in one of the reports earlier on today, uh, the story of a homeless shelter out in Cape Town, where a similar challenge was happening, where many people who were addicted to opioids had uh, a challenge in complying with the lockdown and remaining in the shelters that have been provided for them during this period because... At the end of the day, uh, sometimes, you know, the addiction drives you uh, in a manner that would be uncharacteristic of uh, your normal behavior. And I think this is what uh, the this uh, drug policy initiative of South Africa is saying here, that uh, some of the authorities might have erred uh, on this particular issue, not taking into account some of the challenges that are faced by those who have substance use disorders and who might face uh, what they suggest is psychosis, seizures, and even ultimate death if they are unable uh, to uh, have access to some of the advices there. Let me know what you think about that. I'd love to hear from you. But uh, let's take a look now at uh, some of the stories in the world of business and talking about advices. It uh, seems that some pubs and restaurants have started to contravene lockdown rules. I'm joined on the line now by Annalisa Tuswa, independent business journalist. Annalisa, good evening to you, Unjan. Talking about uh, vices and uh, challenges with substance use, it seems that some pubs and restaurants have managed to contravene the lockdown rules by accessing an online portal, yes, a CIPC, where we all go and register our uh, businesses. And it seems that some have um, been able to print essential service certificates and then say to people, yes, we, we have the certificate from the authorities and therefore we allow to operate. When's it going Look, I mean, I think it's worth explaining that the the biz system, Aya, is an automated system. Essentially, virtually, well, businesses, I would put it that way, especially the ones in pubs, talent restaurants actually applied online. Um, they're applying for essential services. And mm. I mean, I think we all understand what essential services are. Yes. So if you're a pub owner or restaurant, applying online for, for a certificate to to, to be under essential services, it's either one, you don't have the correct information, or you just trying your luck. Mm, 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 mm. So I guess the authorities have made it very clear here for the benefit of many of our listeners that even if you run a pizza parlor, a restaurant, or a tavern, 
and uh, you've managed to access one of these certificates uh, by hook or crook, well, the authorities and law enforcement officials can still come to your place and close it down because, you know, the regulations still suggest that if you're doing something that isn't an essential service, you can still be shut down for that, even if you have this documentation. It's it's going to be harsh because what they're saying is the online one is actually just, um, I think in varsity, varsity, it's like a, the first part of the approval. Yes, so yes. you still need a final approval. So what they're saying now is those temporary certificates that have been granted online, if you're a business in those categories, so in pubs, restaurants, and you've got that certificate, first of all, it's cancelled already. Mm. And what the government is going to do is they're sending... Um, they hand your documentation or your application to the South African Police Services mm-hmm. and you're going to go under some serious investigation. Yeah, yeah. Again, so, you have to sit down and think what's yeah. worth it. So it's quite clear what's going to happen here. And uh, at least I want us to pause here for a second and take a quick break. I'd love to hear from some of you. I mean, you might be running a similar operation. Uh, what does this make of you? Seven minutes it is uh, before 8 p.m. and it's our Money Conversations. We're taking a look at uh, all of the big news that is moving markets on this Tuesday. And joining me to do this is uh, independent business journalist Annelisa Tuswa. And uh, we took a look at a story uh, just before we went to the break of uh, pubs and restaurants uh, that have uh, seemingly jippoed the law here and uh, managing to access CIPC uh, certificates that um, classify them as essential service providers. And uh, whilst, of course, their actions and uh, the operations that they have uh, would uh, certainly not uh, place them uh, within the ambit of uh, businesses that are allowed to operate over this period. Now, we're uh, talking about contraventions, um, uh, Annalisa, of uh, what uh, we've seen here uh, when it comes to uh, the regulations that have come through. Uh, the Competition Commission says they've been flooded uh, with uh, over 500 complaints here of excessive pricing. Now, uh, this is certainly an interesting one because uh, Minister Ibrahim Patel and even the commissioner at the Competition Commission made it very clear that they're going to come after people who engage in price gouging and people that are trying to profiteer on the back of this particular crisis. Look, I think it was quite clear, like you said, um, from Rob Davis, especially last week, um, well, Patel last week, saying that, look, if we do find you guys hiking prices, we're going to go ahead with the usual competition commission laws. Um, so about 559 complaints have been received by the competition commission. And I mean, worth noting, Iona, this is very separate from the, from the records or the reports that are sent to the consumer commission. So it could be more. Mm, mm, mm. Um, about 569 complaints received and the commission is saying that over about 250 of those don't fall under their jurors. However, they are going to actually put those companies that have been named to inflate prices during this time um, and they won't investigate it. And I mean, I, I think last time I checked, if a company is under the competition law, if a company is found breaking any or whether it's a price fixing or any form of market manipulation, then they get fined about, I think, about 10% um, mm. of their profits. Wow. So it's another harsh one and another conversation about why people are trying to make money um, out of our tough, very difficult situation as a country. Yeah, It seems it's a wide uh, array of products and, uh, I guess, services here that uh, have been ramped up after this. Anything from uh, what you would find at a food rate retailer right through to uh, you know, some of the uh, uh, protective equipment, masks, gloves, uh, and, and anything else that we would require during this period. Um, I found one of the cases interesting here, uh, Annelisa, of um, a retailer based in Secunda, uh, who um, raised the price of dust masks from 5 rand to 25 rand. 
Um, and it's quite clear, I guess, uh, that uh, as this unfolds, we're probably going to see a lot more of this. I think we're going to see a lot of things. Um, and I mean, I saw a couple of big names um, that were mentioned mm. even in the investigation. And you, you, you just wonder, because we all know how price determination works. Clearly, there's no proper justification for someone to actually time, to have a price increase times by five on the normal price. Um, a couple of companies have told the commission already, like USPA already told the commission that they had there was a huge transition when it comes to prices on the December sales um, and the January sales. So when they went back into February, it was really their price increase, whatever, to cover mm. the season. Um, but there are some just non-justified instances, like the, the guys in Secunda. How do you increase the price by? That's not even like that's not even hundred percent increase. No, no, that's I didn't hear you. <laughs> It's something, it's something else entirely. Increase. It's something um, else entirely. Think, <laughs> you know what, I know this is a business show, but I, I think we need to also motivate our people to actually take note and record those things. But clearly, um, this is the time when we, I motivate people to actually, if you see a price increase and you're like, no, this is not what I paid for last mm. summer. Yeah. Report it. Call the, the, the competition commission. Yeah. There are channels to get, like, to make sure that corporate doesn't get away with yeah. them keeping out of this current situation. You mentioned something quite interesting. I mean, uh, you said that uh, uh, even the numbers that we've seen going to the Competition Commission are a potential undercount because there's another institution, the National Consumer Commission, yeah. that would also be receiving similar kinds of complaints. Uh, I, I must say here, it's quite uh, heartening to hear uh, that uh, the co- Competition Authorities now are going to link up with the consumer authorities and uh, have uh, one streamlined process to avoid duplication of these complaints because uh, if indeed we try and encourage many of our people, as we are doing, to go out and report this as and when it happens, uh, then uh, that's going to make it uh, a bit more convenient for people to get the necessary relief that they need. Yes, um, I believe that the Competition Commission is also trying to streamline their workflow. So the, just so that you avoid any form of duplication. Mm. But again, it's, it's, this is what we've always called for, that there needs to be some form of a link between protecting consumers and exposing corporates. And that's essentially what the, the, the Competition Commission does. And the Consumer Commission would be protecting you as a consumer. Mm. Um, so I think finally we're starting to see both entities uh, somehow finding ways to link up with each other. And I mean, whatever investigation that goes from, that comes from the Competition Commission will obviously have to go on the Competition Commission, yeah. um, on the, on the um, Consumer Commission. So two commissions all based on the idea that no one should actually be using this time mm. to profit or manipulate you as a consumer. Sure, sure. And uh, we'll certainly share some of the details on our uh, Twitter handle. I can certainly share it on mine of uh, if indeed where you do experience this kind of price gouging or uh, certainly, um, you know, uh, illogical or even unexplainable markups on uh, products that uh, you uh, buy on a frequent basis, uh, we'll certainly share some of those details there so that you can access uh, the process there to register some of your complaints uh, with regard to that kind of behavior. But uh, Annalisa, interesting one here, certainly for many people who would uh, be buying uh, uh, wares uh, online from the likes of Amazon here. Now, it seems warehouse and delivery staff in the United States, uh, in the borough of Staten Island, uh, in particular in uh, New York, um, warning of a stoppage of uh, a production here, stoppage of uh, the packaging, warehousing of uh, many of the products that uh, we would import uh, over COVID-19 fears and uh, suggesting that they're not being protected in the workplace. Look, I mean, having a shortage of uh, of stuff when you're not protecting them is another conversation for another day. But I think um, 
the workers at Amazon at the state are, have made it quite clear that they don't feel protected. And I think it's within their rights. We also, just to bring it local, we also saw that Take-A-Lot um, has resumed their deliveries from today. Um, I, I, I'm hoping that they've taken the right mm. specifically. I mean, I thought those were just essential deliveries on the part Look, of they're essential deliveries, but they're still deliveries. You yeah, still need to yeah. go to someone's home um, and, and, or someone's office and go deliver. So generally as a worker, your first concern, mm. your first concern is your safety. Is the company taking yeah, anything? Yeah. And I think that's what we're seeing in the U.S. And sure. I mean, I, I saw a statement from, the, from Amazon saying it was just like um, 50 to 60 employees and they've got about mm. 5,000 and whatnot. It still doesn't matter. What matters is, it doesn't matter that only 50 people went on strike. What matters is have you infringed any rights of the workers? Have yeah. you made sure that while they deliver the actual goods or the, whatever products that they deliver to people who are at home, mm. some of the people are in self isolation. Yeah. So and I guess I, I, I think, Annalisa, you make a very important point that it doesn't matter if you're delivering you know, life-saving medication or even baby okay. formula. I mean, it's not about what you're delivering uh, because you could be the, delivering the most life-saving yeah. thing, but that doesn't necessarily mitigate or stem uh, the risk of infection if your employer is not doing anything to really protect you. And you are a service provider, so what you deliver into the custom doesn't really matter. Your safety should be the concern of the company that, mm. listen, my people are going out. Um, this is, these are the procedures to make sure that they are actually safe and they don't, they don't have to actually... I mean, I, I saw one of the guys that actually blew up this Amazon story that he's been fired. So it's, it's, it's just tragic. It's tragic that you see a trend across the globe that, again, all those things will really come down to the actual labor, the person on the ground, mm. um, the person that is providing an essential service because believers, I believe, that they are... If you believe in essential things, it should be an essential service, but you're not protected on yourself. Um, yourself, so you making sure that people remain at home without going to the stores. But what is your company, yeah. um, the individual company, doing to protect you? Certainly makes the things a lot more difficult. Before I let you go, Annalisa, I want us to take a look at some data here. It certainly is uh, in the past, but uh, some interesting numbers to look at here. Uh, the quarterly employment statistics uh, came out from StatsSA today and uh, showing, I guess, uh, you know, somewhat of a marginal improvement um, in uh, part-time work uh, during the period of October through to December. Uh, I mean, let's talk about some of these numbers here. Clearly, big changes happening uh, in the trade sector, business services and community services, but we continue to see massive declines in uh, construction and even the mining sector. I mean, construction losing 17,000 jobs in the same quarter that has the festive season. I mean, it certainly does uh, place things into perspective. Look, I mean, I, I, I saw the numbers earlier, Aya, and we, if you put it in percentage terms, um, it's very increase. Which is very small, um, very, very small. Um, and I looked at the sectors, again, it's trade and community services that actually benefited. And there's a very disturbing trend um, in the in the set because the full-time employment has decreased, whereas the part-time employment has increased. Mm. Again, the quarter, it's the fourth quarter, so it falls between the October and the December period. A season where we see a lot of seasonal employment so I, I'm not convinced that we have recorded as much growth as we, as the stats themselves say. Mm. I think the inclusion, I mean, we saw that um, part-time employment increased by 18,000. Yes. And, and for me, that's a, that's a very unhealthy trend. Um, 
because we, mm-hmm. again we see the big sectors that have been trouble like they've been in trouble for the last year or two, which is the construction, your mining, your manufacturing. They didn't improve. Yeah, and of course, I mean, it's all of the people that would be working flexi hours or, you know, zero hours in uh, the retail sector here. 10,000 uh, part-time workers added uh, to the labor market in that uh, period and maybe also 10,000 coming out of business services. I guess the big issue here is if you look at the transport and the community services sectors, which traditionally during the festive period, uh, yeah. often uh, see some improvements there. It's quite surprising that the transport sector uh, didn't see an improvement there of part-time employment. And I, uh, so. I guess Manani, and uh, we uh, compare them in the context that we find ourselves in now with COVID-19. Uh, I think the numbers will bear out a much sadder story uh, in the coming months. Certainly, that's my view. Yeah, look, I spoke to one of the economists. I was speaking to someone from TWC sometime this week, and I think it was actually yesterday, Uli Lekota, and she was like, look, we, this year, first of all, in a technical recession, mm. um, we are, companies are going to close for the next 21 days, those who are not in essential services. Yes, the government is providing some structures to try and assist them and whatnot, but unemployment this year is not about to improve. Um, in fact, we will see some companies really being able to keep their people in the employment structures. But for us to even expect an improvement to actually people getting creating new jobs, new investment is going to be very tricky for the remaining of twenty twenty. Um so I think we need to base ourselves and start to see ourselves that hope the labor market in South Africa at this stage for the rest of the twenty twenty is not going to be a good one. Um taking into account a couple of things. So the restriction Modi's downgrades, um, the impact of putting one day lockdown, it's not going to be good for Unfilindi. It doesn't look good at all without Yeah, tough times indeed, uh, Annalisa. We'll have to leave it there. I certainly know that we uh, hate to be the harbingers of bad news, but uh, uh, certainly we must always tell the truth and uh, claim no easy victories as uh, uh, Amilka Cabral told us from Guinea-Bissau. And uh, that's where we're going to leave it today for all of the uh, uh, stories that are moving markets. And uh, on the other side of this brief break, we continue uh, into uh, uh, the world of small and medium-sized enterprises, which are set to benefit uh, from a boon of 1 billion rand uh, each, coming from the Oppenheim and Rupert families. And we know uh, that in, uh, in the wake of uh, that announcement, uh, a few other people coming to the party, we saw the Mutsepa Foundation, also saw Naspers uh, making their contribution as well and the likes of telecom uh, as well and uh, we'll take a look in particular at that one billion rand that business partners is going to be uh, lending out or, or will they be granting it out we'll certainly pose that question on the other side